Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have a kind of a special episode here today with Rick Hamrick, William Bunnell, Matthew Marinoff, and you can learn what they are up to in the world of pre-foreclosure by going to pre4profits.com. Of course, that's going to be a clickable link in the show notes as you can register for their upcoming event in February 28th, 29th, and March 1st in Clearwater, Florida. Really appreciate all of your time here today, guys. Yes, thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate your time. So I know this is a joint effort. It sounds like a couple of companies coming together to put on this event. Could we talk a little bit about where that began? William and I founded a, a company called IPA for REI, which stands for Income Producing Activities for Real Estate Investors. And William has been in the business now for 24 years, and we've long known of Matt and his company, Real Estate Recovery Group. And the, the common bond between the two is that we focus on providing solutions for those that are in distress, distressed property owners, pre-foreclosures, and any kind of forced sales situations. And with what's been going on in the economy over the last couple of years and the real estate market, the three of us got together and said, we need to bring this to as many real estate professionals as we can. And how do we do that? And that works with in-person event. So that's where it started. The idea is to start with Clearwater and then do potentially multiple of these a year around the country. But being able to get out there and speak in front of real estate professionals, right? This is real estate agents, brokers, investors, appraised attorneys, anybody who is a professional around the the real estate world and providing them with additional ways to grow their business in 2024 and beyond. So if they come to this event, what can they expect to uh, get out of it? I would expect real raw life experiences that have, that have, that have happened and occurred over our experiences. I, I've been in distress real estate 19 years. Will's, William's been in it 23 years. Rick's been it now seven going on eight years. This is an event that you're going to want to come to because this event is going to show really any real estate professional had to succeed in any economy real estate wise, whether it's a good economy, bad economy. And even if it's a good economy, you're always going to come across distressed homeowners in horrible situations that may or may not have equity in it. We're also going to be talking about wholesaling, subject to creative financing. There's a lot of things that we will be touching on over the two-day event plus the bonus VIP event. This is something that people definitely are not going to want to miss as far as I'm concerned. If you're in real estate, you're going to really want to hear from the three of us and the people that we have coming to the event. Is the audience going to be relatively new to the real estate game or, or seasoned professionals? It, it's really for anybody at any real estate level that wants to come. If you're new in the industry, if you're experienced in the industry, I talk with people that have been in the industry for over 20 years, and they're blown away by the information that I personally provide to them because nobody really wants to understand or have an understanding truly about the distressful side of it, or as I call it, the dark side of real estate. It's it's shunned. Nobody really wants to talk about it. and I know I get called out or people say to me, where are the statistics on this? And maybe Rick and William can back me up. If not, that's fine. I would say nine out of 10, nine out of 10 real estate agents and probably maybe six out of 10 investors will not go towards the light of distressed real estate where it's a short sale because of the fact that it's too time consuming. The things that need to be cleared up on title. Maybe there's heirs. There's an estate. 
there's a lot of different moving factors. The homeowner themselves, per se, doesn't have the final say when it comes to it. So I invite anybody that wants to get into the real estate game, young and old, new and seasoned, and really listen up and hear what we have to offer over the event that we're going to be putting together. You know, a lot of what you've been talking about there, Matthew, it sounds like a lot of tips and strategy on the actual process. What type of time or effort do you spend in on mindset? Because based on what you just said there, that seems to be one of the bigger hurdles that I continue to run into is the mindset shift of becoming perceived as predatory versus being a problem solver. Great question. So for me, mindset is everything. I'm that guy that's jamming a square peg into a round hole every single day that I work in in my business model. Each one of us came together and collaborating for this event and bringing other individuals to come in is specifically for what we believe is going to happen that the government is not talking about with distressed real estate going from 2005 all the way to 2024. I'm worried. I'm panicked for people's mindset. Listen, if you're a real estate professional, you've been in the real estate industry for, let's say, five, six years. You didn't see what happened in 2007, 2008 going forward. You're newer to the industry. You may or may not be as open-minded as the people that had already gone through it in the past, vice versa. People that went through it in the past saying it's not going to happen again. It's a very familiar smell, odor, taste that is in the air right now that is mimicking what is going to happen in, that happened in 2007, 2008. So I say to people, mindset is a massive part of what needs to be done to understand and hone in on the craft itself, the information that we're going to provide. People are going to walk away with information that's going to blow their minds. Quite honestly, they're either going to act on it or they're not. And you know as well as I do, Jack, that if somebody sees something for the first time, most people only can retain 7% of the information that they visually look at. A lot of what's going to happen over the course of this three-day event really is going to hopefully open people's eyes up and make them want to learn and consume more information to be that go-to person. Whereas if it's a real estate agent and you're struggling in their regular market because interest rates are higher and they don't know how to obtain and work with buyers in the market or they lost specific buyers and they don't want to repeat the same things over and over again, this is an amazing event, an amazing amount of tools that we're going to be giving people and they're going to be walking away with printed information. So even if they forget it, they're still going to have the information to walk away with. Well, that kind of leads me to the next question is that I've been to a number of these type of events, of course, and uh, it seems like a lot of the people there, it's probably going to be an 80-20 rule like most things are. 80% of the people are going to consume this information and do nothing with it. You got the 20% that are going to take some active action. What type of material or how are you going to arm them to get off that starting block? I'm going to say couple of words and I'm going to let Rick and William follow up on that. You know, most time when you go to an event and you get information, you walk out about nine pieces of paper. Am I right, Rick? They mm-hmm. give you an agenda. They tell you what's going to happen at the event. Chances are you're going to leave it on the seat. You're going to go for lunch. You're going to come back. It's not going to be there to get it. What we're doing that I believe is different, it's going to be the first volume. Now, I, I'm grabbing this not for purposes of trying to sell my book, but just to show people, people are going to walk away with an actual book from the event. It's going to have the sponsors in this booklet. It's going to have the people that spoke at the event in here. It's going to have sections to take notes. It's going to have high points from the event, information in this booklet. So when somebody does walk away with that, they can always reference back and go, wait a second, who is that white guy with the dreadlocks? Oh, William Barnell, who's that guy, Rick, that's got a handsome head of hair that never takes his hat off? That's Rick Hammerick with ham in the middle. And who's that crazy guy 
the short sell savage, the bald guy. I got to get his information. It's all going to be in the book. So it's not just a book on pieces of paper, like a normal event. This event's going to be completely polar opposite than I think that most people are used to. And it's going to be raw and, and it's going to be real. And we're going to be having a couple different things that people are really going to love with this event that are going to come on as extras. And I just think overall, it's going to be a really great event. And I hope everybody shows up. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let these guys take over. Well, I, I think kind of interesting. You go to your website and I find your branding interesting. And the fact that I just mentioned previously, you know, the mindset thing of becoming predatory versus a problem solver, but kind of leaning into a bit of branding there, but, you know, the short sale, savage, the general, the rhino, the hammer, Rick, you're, you're the hammer, kind of leaning into that a little bit. Yeah, I'd say we, we lean into that a little bit. There's an aspect to pre-foreclosures that a lot of people, pre-foreclosures and other distress situations that a lot of people don't understand. You hit it right on the head by saying a lot of people view it as being a predatory thing. It's not so much a predatory thing. Think of it a little bit more, in all honesty, think of it a little bit more as a sheepdog thing. The reality is when you deal with people that are in pre-foreclosure and other such distressed situations, behind on property taxes, massive income tax liens, these types of things, the largest groups that I deal with are the elderly by a massive margin. The elderly are very commonly the people that we're dealing with because as you get older, your ability to earn income deteriorates. And there are a lot of people for the past several generations that just simply haven't been educated financially very well. So they weren't in a position to be able to retire with much of anything. Most of the people we're dealing with are either elderly or broken families. Those are the groups that we're dealing with the most. We also end up dealing with an absolute ton of veterans who have their own unique challenges due to some of the things that they've been through. And these are all groups of people. If you were to look at demographics, some people would make the assumption if somebody's in pre-foreclosure, they're just living in a viced way. They're gambling their money away. They're drinking too much. They're being irresponsible. I'm sure there's some of that out there, but to be perfectly candid with you, after more than two decades, it's been less than two or 3% of what I've run into in my life. Most of what I've run into is good, decent people trying the very best they can with everything they've got and still coming up short and they need help. And the fact of the matter is the government's never going to help them. Media is never going to help them because they don't even bother talking about it. So we have to. Somebody has to be there to help them. In fact, I, we had a situation in our market recently where we were trying to help somebody in, a, in, a, in this exact situation. Unfortunately, they wait to the last minute to to call you and you, you start, you run out of time. In fact, we had to, we hate to put any kind of pressure on you, but if we have any hopes of helping you with this, unfortunately we got like this week, I would imagine you have a lot of people that come to these, that your event and they're looking for scripts. How do you even talk to these individuals? How do you even approach them without it sounding scripted? What type of processes, procedures, I know you have that book, but I think a lot of people are actually trying to kickstart and break through that analysis paralysis. So we actually give them action-based plans to work with. Even in our coaching mastermind, the IPA for REI group, we, it's all action-based because ultimately people are going to learn better if it's learn a little bit, take action with what you've learned, come back and learn a little bit more and discuss what happened, take more action discuss that action, learn a little bit more, take more action. It's an ongoing, you know, an ongoing repetitive process. Education followed by action, followed by reflecting on what went right, what went wrong, trying to refine the process. We shouldn't expect any given technique or thing to do. I mean, hell, you can get a job in fast food and expect to fuck up flipping a burger the very first time you do it, right? Like you shouldn't expect to be an expert at anything instantly, no matter how basic mm -hmm. it is. But when you start getting into things that are a little more complex and have more moving parts and involve people, and involve institutions, you know, very bureaucratic and layered with rules. For example, sometimes we're dealing with somebody who has a mortgage that's serviced by Freedom Mortgage, for example, but it happens to be a VA mortgage. Now we've got the individuals involved. We've got Freedom Mortgage as an institution, as the servicer that's servicing the loan on behalf of an investor that owns the loan and VA insures the loan. So all of those separate entities, their rules and guidelines have to line up in order for us to get these things approved. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that does. I really, your, your action there, you're the focus on action versus everything else, because without it, you can't learn. I, yeah. And frankly, I have, this is from years of experience as well. I, I've learned that you can't really say the wrong thing to the right person. Like right. if, if they are seeking for help, you know, it's that imperfect action that will take you the furthest. Yeah, Man, I can tell you from personal experience, there was a long time. I, I had very serious OCD problems when I was younger. And for an extremely long time, I was absolutely paralyzed by the fact that I had to rehearse everything to absolute perfection. And it's part of how I ended up designing a lot of the underlying curriculum for what in our, in our group is the fact that many people have those types of issues, perhaps not the exact same holdups that I had, but many people have those issues where they feel... I don't know enough yet to take any action. So I'm just going to wait until I know a whole lot more. In the meantime, I'm going to let 90 deals pass me. We encourage them to just get out ahead and take action. I'm going to let somebody else talk for a minute. Hold on one second. I, Jack, I just want to say one thing. When I talk with homeowners direct, or if I talk with real estate agents, you know, I'm a connector. So I make sure that it can is, is correct. Sounds good. Feels good. The currency is going through, you know, the energy level is high enough. And that there's no questions when everything else is take like when we move forward with the process. I explain mm-hmm. everything to the people that get involved that are in distress, meaning I go through the whole process with them. I ask them, are there any questions that I answer all your questions? I also tell people, people think I'm hysterical when I say it, but I mean it. At the end of the day, this isn't about me and it's not about the real estate agent or whoever the referral is, it's about the person who's actually in trouble. So you as the homeowner that's in trouble, if you feel that we don't gel and you want to take the information that I provided for you to help you get educated on the process and you want to go in a different direction, I'm totally okay with that. I know there's a lot of people that get upset and they put like liens on properties, you know, whatever it is, so that they cloud title. I'm not that guy. At the end of the day, like I say, and I mean it, it's not about me or about the person who brought it. It's about the person who's in trouble. And I understand and I have that distinction after doing this for 19 years. What needs to be offered to these people that are really, they, they feel like they're getting thrown into a can and it's being vacuum sealed. They don't know what their options are. And they're sm- getting smothered in there. And they're losing oxygen mainly because there's a lot of people out there that are not trained properly and they're lying to homeowners and they're offering solutions that just don't work and they don't work in the current market that we're in right now. Forbearances, mm-hmm. what happened with COVID changed the cover for me for short sales going forward. And I don't think people realize that. And it's important that they understand that whether they want to take action. No, I really appreciate you bringing that forward, Matthew, because I have found that complete and total transparency is also the way to go when it comes to to withhold information is is as bad as lying in in many situations when it comes to this. Just to remind everybody, if you want to learn more about this event and what they're up to, head over to preforprofits.com. Do us a quick favor. If you found some value in what we're talking about so far, share it with one of your investor friends, because I'm sure there's somebody in your network that would see a lot of value in this event or what we're talking about. Rick, I'm going to pull you in here. You seem to be the on the tech side of things. I'm guessing that there are some tools or techniques that you're using to identify these people that are pre-foreclosed. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I love, you know, reimastermind.net, right? And and being all about the network. That That's one of the foundational pillars that we teach people is that your network is your net worth. And if you become a solution expert or a solution provider, you are no longer competing against, you know, 50 other people for this. You are in your own blue ocean and you are you're going where you are needed. And there, there's a very rewarding feeling to going where you're needed. So, one of the very foundational things that we do is, is we teach anybody and every to, to become a master networker. Let everybody know what you do and how you do it. And then when they run across that situation, they remember who did this and they start sending the to you. I, I, with some um, opportunities all the time 
from bankruptcy attorneys, from real estate agents, from real estate brokers, from real estate investors, because they've come across a situation that they don't know how to handle, but they remember who does. Those are going to be some of the most ideal ways to, to get these opportunities because think about it, that marketing is on somebody else's dime, right? That professional that was out there talking and realizing that their services can help, but they need some real estate services. So send it over to these guys or to this group. Now, the other thing that we largely focused on, and you referenced it, like people burying their heads in sand, you know, they're in a financial distressed situation in a time that they don't know what their options are because they didn't catch somebody like us early on in the process. It is a lot harder to deal with those, you know, weeks before, days before a potential auction. Can it be done? Yes, with the right resources in your market, you can, you have tips, trip, techs, techniques, things like that to actually stop a foreclosure last minute. But what we focus on doing is making sure that anybody that has hit that notice of default or that notice of list pendant status, like early on, sometimes even before they know that the bank or the institution has taken legal action against them and start quickly reaching out to them and, and doing this from the perspective of empathy. One thing the three of us are very firm believers of is people before profits. Reach out to these folks and make sure they understand that they have options because when the bank is talking to them, they don't have the borrower's best interest in mind. They have their best interest in mind. So when you actually are a solution provider like us, <clears throat> you are there to actually provide the options, right? What is the legal process that's actually happening? What are the eight options? that the borrower actually has. What do they want? What do they really need? And how do we cross that bridge with them and get them the best possible solution? Sometimes it is to sell the property. Sometimes it is a loan modification. There's a lot of different ways to do that. But of course, you have the process, the systems and processes and technology to pull early on in the process so that you as a professional can actually have a quality of life right? You don't want to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off, putting fires out two days before something's done. You want to educate the, the borrowers and people in distress up front. So we do pull those lists early and we do go through marketing sequences where it is gently just making somebody aware of who we are and just kind of bringing them down that funnel, whether it is, you know, calling, texting, believe it or not, one of the best methods to use is actually door knocking, right? and talking to somebody face-to-face -face because they now know you're in their market. They know that you're real. So do kind of go over all of that type of stuff at both the event and within our own ecosystems. Well, I, I, I hate to press you on this, Rick. So if this is something that's going to be covered in your, in your event, you can put the brakes on to say, well, you're going to have to come and check this out. But <laughs> what, where are you garnering that? the list. And the reason I'm asking that is because like in my particular market, well, I live on a river, so I'm in North Dakota and Minnesota. On the North Dakota side of the river, I actually have to go to the courthouse to actually obtain any kind of list like this. It's not a publicly yes. available. So how do you find this information? Yeah. And there is no magic bullet to this because the 50 states and even counties and even municipalities within these different states are all different. I happen to live in Kansas City, which is, you know, got a state line road that separates the, the Missouri side from the Kansas side. Both of the states are non-disclosure states, right? So getting to the information is much different than it would be in where, where William is or in New Jersey where Matt is, right? So it really comes into identifying the market you're going to work. Obviously, if you're building relationships and doing it from a network fashion, being physically in that market is going to be key. But that doesn't mean that Real Estate Recovery Group isn't nationwide. You know, as of 2015, that doesn't mean that William and I aren't working nationwide. We, we are. Getting to that data is, is going to be the first bit of homework that we give anybody. You know, where does that data come from? Is it from physically going to the courthouse? Can you find that on a county website somewhere? Can you find that on you know, a judicial website? You kind of dig into finding out where your particular MSAs or the markets that you're working, the data is available and present, and, and then that you set up your process around that. Now, that's different. I mean, a lot of people talk about PropStream and other products like that. The data is only as good 
as the data that they can get, which is different from state to state, city to city, right? And where are they actually pulling? How how old is the data, right? Notice the defaults are fantastic, especially in the first couple of days of that happening. Once you get a week or two weeks or three weeks in, now you have 250 investors that have hit that particular borrower and they're wary because they that's the predatory side of things. That's where the borrower is like, hey, you know what? I've just received 250 texts in the last two days. Why am I talking to you? Right. So if you catch them early, they're already disarmed and ready to work with you because you're approaching them from a from an empathetic standpoint and a solution oriented standpoint. And that's the right thing to do. Even if you don't make a dime in that situation, you still move them through the process and get them to the right side. Get the elderly, get the dis, you know, dysfunctional family, get the single mother with kids to a better place than they are right now. You know, you, you talked about the marketing and it's kind of it sounds like you got to take a gentle approach. You even suggested maybe even going to their doorstep and knocking on the door. Is that those that gentle marketing that you're talking about there? Could you talk a little bit about the steps that you might be taking in order to keep it gentle? Because sometimes when I'm talking to a distressed seller, I'm not going to say sometimes, I'm going to say most of the time when I talk to a distressed seller, this might be the first time that they're even verbalizing it for the first time that they're in some sort of trouble. And it can get a bit emotional and it can be a lash out or it could, you know, I've even had people on the phone crying over the situation as they they come to this realization. What type of marketing or how are you crafting that marketing material? From, from a, place of empathy from a place of knowledge we talk a lot about the personality profiles and disc profile with within our ecosystem as well because something is going to speak different to somebody depending on what the personality is right so one borrower might respond to a very gentle message another borrower might respond differently to one that has got a little bit more urgency to it a little bit more fire to it whether that's a postcard handwritten certified letter a text, a ringless voicemail, or whatever it may be. So we kind of send a little bit of each and see what elicits a response from somebody, whether that's a voicemail or a text or a postcard. But I'll let William talk about the key because he is the king of door knocking and making contact face-to-face, which is much different than something over the phone. The the, the face-to-face stuff can really pay dividends with the way he approaches coming in and sitting down at the kitchen table. But That's a fantastic way to do it that most people don't really do or understand because it's a lot harder for somebody to shut the door in your face than it is to hang up a phone. That is very, very true. So this is, this is fairly relevant to what a lot of people are probably experiencing right now. I think anybody who's tried bulk SMS text blasting and has had some failures with it, whether they ran into some regulatory stuff or their messages weren't being delivered or they simply really irritated the entire list of people that they just started texting. So now they turn them off instead of turning them on. What we found in a lot of different ways, our society as a whole, human beings, we're more in the, in the direction of fake, shallow, plastic interactions with people. There's no sincerity. There's no handshake. There's no genuine connection, human to human connection. And that's what people are craving. You know, everybody's really sick at this point of the whole text marketing thing. It was cool five or six years ago. It was convenient for some people in some ways. At this point, it's tating, kind of like a song. When it first comes out on the radio, you like it. And six weeks later, you don't ever want to hear it again. You know what I mean? Because it's just excessive. So what I've found is the best way I can possibly illustrate this would be to say it's the difference between the way relationships were in the old days, say 200 years ago, somewhere in a in Europe or something like that, people would have a courtship, right? They would have an actual courtship. There would be a dating period where you get to know somebody and you're building an actual relationship with this other human being. Granted, some people do that now now in America, but the vast majority of people, a little more of like a swipe left, swipe right type of situation these days. And you've taken all of the authenticity out of it. A big part of what I do at this point in time revolves around running your business the way your grandfather would have run business because that is going to last. Those are the fundamentals. Those are the basics. Those aspects of how you run your business and how you market your business and how you build relationships with other people, that's always going to work no matter what happens. 
unlike a fad or some new piece of technology that's going to be the coolest thing in the world until eight weeks later when a competitor invents something that blows it out of the water. People need to drift away from the idea of going with the next trendy thing because you're basically spending your entire life treading water if you do that. You know what I mean? You're always going to have to shift to another to another. I've stayed in my lane for 23, just shy of 24 years now, and I don't have to do anything different. I'm doing things the exact same way that I was doing them in the spring of 2000, right now, entering into the spring of 2024. Nothing has had to change. And as a matter of fact, I'm thriving more than ever because of the fact that the rest of the world has gone in the opposite aforementioned direction. With that level of personal touch, though, with William, do you have any any regrets regarding how, how to scale your real estate business? I solved for the scaling issue by networking. Think of it as replicating myself, you know? So I create clones yeah. of myself all over the place that have, and of course, these clones are all created at different times. So they're growing at a different rate, right? But I've got some clones that I started growing, say, 18 years ago that have nearly two decades of experience at this point and can handle just about anything that I throw in their lap. And I've got other ones that are brand new that are just learning how to find deals. But at the end of the day, after over two decades of training people to do this stuff and working hand in hand with them, I now have several hundred people that are able to sit down at the kitchen table and meet with these sellers. And they're scattered all over the country and in a few other countries. What type of do you have to, you know, when you're dealing with the network, I, I see it as farming in, in a lot of ways. You can't crop. You got you to gotta keep feeding the crop. You got to keep watering the crop. You got to continue to build and establish those relationships. Mm-hmm. What type of tactics do you use to leverage to maintain those relationships at that level? I think the most important aspect of all is consistency. The most important aspect of all is consistency. So I've structured my life in such a way where, for example, All of the students within our mastermind who are also our partners at various different levels and are learning to partner with us on deals, they meet with us twice a week. We meet with them every Monday morning to start the week off with a positive push. We meet with them every Friday morning at the very beginning of the day on Friday so that we still have a full day left so we can discuss what went right, what went wrong, and what else needs to happen. And then they've still got that day on Friday to immediately go out and take action with whatever we've resolved. Sure. Now, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm just going to point everybody to preforprofits.com to learn more about this event. And if you have any questions, I believe that's, well, there's frankly quite a bit of information on, on the site, but fill out the quick form there if you'd like more details. Again, it is preforprofits.com. Before we switch to my rapid questions, I kind of wanted to open the floor up to any kind of topics regarding this that you would have liked to cover in this of the of the show i think for from my perspective right just just be in the room right talking about some of the old school like courtships and and networking and that type of stuff it's going to be a very powerful room with 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 different professionals there different sponsors there different speakers there kind of bringing it together you've heard i've heard for the last years in in the real estate investing world that i'm a pre-foreclosure expert i want to become a pre-foreclosure solution provider they go out and do some keyword marketing and when they get a challenging situation they trash the lead right so they're not really out there to become a pre-foreclosure solution provider and that's just a lack of knowledge a lack of education and understanding how to actually provide those solutions once you understand all of the different options and all of your different resources. This is, you know, we're, we're really looking to build a network of pre-foreclosure forced sale like solution experts and an army of all of us working together across the country to handle what is frankly coming, right? Again, the media is not talking about it. We, we see enough of the underlying belly to understand what is truly going to happen. So I think that's the most important thing, you know, from my perspective. I'd like to uh, add, and piggyback on what Rick just said and what William graciously offered as far as advice and how he runs his business. I will say this, probably now more than ever, I'm actually getting contacted by, believe it or not, wholesale companies. And wholesale companies are saying, hey, my friend follows you on social media. You're the short sell go-to guy or whatever. Got a quick question for you. These guys are throwing scenarios at me. You know, we've got, I think, 
six deals in a pipeline right now because they just don't know what to do with it. They don't understand how to leverage it. I'm talking with people that have hearts and understand that people that are in trouble. Furthermore, I said to them, geez, you guys have really reinstated my faith in people that are in your industry. You're actually offering a real service versus the people like William saying, getting those wild text messages or talking about how you're being able to speak with people and bringing it back to the basics. These people that are being trained right now in our industry, I am scared for the homeowners because the promises that these guys are making, talking about taking over a property that's over-leveraged, subject to the actual mortgage itself, knowing that if you default on that mortgage, some of these people are current. That if you default, you're going to drive these people into foreclosure. You might have taken deed to the property, but they're going to have some serious issues with the financial aspects of it. So more than ever now, I am open to working with wholesalers. They they do provide a service. People that are truly educated. So if someone listening to this on the retake, and they're a wholesaler and they're struggling out there, I have companies that I have no problem referring you to go work. Go work with these people. Get educated so you don't make 100% or $5,000 or whatever your fee is. But get educated and learn on the fly. Don't be one of these fly-by-night people that I get a phone call from and panic because they're about to get sued by the homeowner because they didn't do the right thing. That's why education is so important in this field in this well you know based on what I'm saying you know that's that's a one way to definitely doubt i mean let's just face fact when we're talking about wholesalers that is the low-hanging fruit in real estate everybody just jumps right into wholesaling whether they're ready for it or not and they're making promises frankly that you just can't deliver on william i saw you your hand went up there for a second were you going to add something the only one thing that i wanted to add that is not being talked about very much by really anybody is that this time around, one thing that is drastically different from 2007 and 2008, first and foremost, the systems and processes that banks and servicers now have access to are much better than they were back then. So there, there are a lot of changes to how things are happening. There are a lot of people that basically the industry stopped dealing with pre-foreclosures and short sales, 2012, right around 2012, the whole everything's a short sale or REO died off. From about 2009 to 2012, just about every deal that you ever heard about was either a short sale or an REO. It was somehow involved in foreclosure or pre-foreclosure. People drifted away from it by 2012 because of the fact that things had cleaned up so much. Now in 2024, 12 full years later, things are drastically different. The things that worked in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010 no longer work. Most people did not continue doing these things all along throughout that whole time frame. So they missed when a whole bunch of stuff changed around 2015. They missed when a whole bunch more stuff changed around 2018. And they're completely unaware of how the industry works at this point. Loss mitigation is nothing like it was two decades ago or even one decade ago. But Mm -hmm. additionally, the real big impact here is that pre-foreclosure is a situation that can affect any property type whatsoever, any form of real estate. It is not limited to residential. This time around, you will hear a lot of people constantly talking whenever pre-foreclosure is brought up, stating very specifically that everybody's got a ton of equity because of the rapid and psychotic rate at which the American real estate market appreciated since COVID until roughly the end of 2022, maybe the middle of 2022. It was growing at this you know, violent upward rate that people were finding themselves with 40% equity in a property that they bought three years ago and they paid full market value for it. You know, fact of the matter is right now, it's actually commercial property, office buildings, office buildings are right up toward the top of the list. Hotels, a lot of hotels had been dealt some really serious blows and many of them have underlying forms of financing that they're not going to be able to refinance out of. 
massive apartment buildings and apartment complexes all over the country financed in very, very risky ways. That became a trendy thing to do. Everybody's all about syndication. And it got to a point where people are jumping for joy and doing literal jumping jacks over a 4% cap rate in certain areas of the country, as though that's a phenomenal return. So what ended up happening as a result of that COVID growth that a lot of people don't talk about? Most insurance. Insurance is now a crisis level in this country in many separate locations where homeowners and investors alike are struggling even to be able to insure their properties. But if they can, their insurance is a minimum of 30% more than it was two years ago. The same is true for property taxes because property taxes are based on assessments from the local municipality. That being the case, your PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance, when those last two have gone up on average by 30 to 40% nationwide over the past couple of years, that means your payments are now much bigger than they used to be, even if you still have that beautiful interest rate from before. You got that 2.75, that 3.25 interest rate. Doesn't matter. If your property taxes went up by 35% and your insurance went up by 35%, your payments still just went up by 300 bucks a month at the same time as the grocery stores, the gas pumps, and everything else is totally out of control. So the amount of people falling behind, whether we're talking commercial, residential, industrial, even raw land, the amount of developers that are falling behind right now on their underlying obligations and active developments that they're still building on is absolutely so bad. One thing I want to add to that, and I think that's very important what you're just talking about, the people that took action during the height of COVID that didn't need to take action, that stopped paying their mortgage because they thought they had a free pass, not realizing that the Grim Reaper was going to one day rear its ugly head and come after these people and say, hey, your interest rate was 3.5%, 375 Fifths, whatever it was, but now your interest rate's going to be 7%. We're going to modify your loan. Congratulations. You've successfully gone through the forbearance program. They don't have the money to pay it up. They can't reinstate their current loan that they have. Now the terms are altered. Guess what? They may or may not be at the cusp of having either no equity in their house, having equity in their house, but faced with the fact that now they've got to sell their property because now they really can't afford the property, even with everything else going up. So I don't feel bad for those homeowners that try to take advantage of the system. I do feel bad for owners that, that were in COVID and thought they were doing the right thing by pulling out of forbearance programs because they were in a better financial situation and stopped paying their they were now able to start paying into their forbearance program. Whereas before, people thought, because they didn't ask questions. This is important that people understand this. We're talking about distressed situations, distressed homeowners. You've got somebody that had the opportunity where they could have paid their, they could have made partial payments along the way during the guidelines of that forbearance. They didn't. What about the homeowners that were smart enough to ask those specific questions regarding the forbearance program, making initial payments, so then when a final blast came through from the forbearance, they were able to make that payment and resume making those payments. Now you've got people that are so upside down in those transactions. Listen to this. This is the scary part about all of this. During the forbearances that the homeowners were in, thinking like, oh, I can make my payment now. I don't need my forbearance. Not realizing by doing that and pulling themselves out of the forbearance program, where they could have just made the payments and left it alone, they pull themselves physically out of that program. The lending institutions have the right to go back to the credit bureaus now and saying, hey, they hit the, they didn't make payments two, three times. You pulled yourself out of that forbearance. You as a homeowner screwed yourself on your credit because you thought you were doing the right thing. But by not asking the right questions and getting educated, you successfully screwed yourself on your credit. Well, I really appreciate William, Matthew, you've added some great additional value here at the end. I'm glad I asked if there was anything else. I'll tell you. Fortunately, we are running at the end of our clock here. I'm going to 
we're going to see how we're going to experiment a little bit. I haven't done our rapid fire questions with a group of this size before. So we're going to throw these questions out and whoever wants to answer can answer. But before I do, I want to remind everybody one more time, pre4profits.com. That's going to be a clickable link in the show notes. If you obviously there was a ton of value in this episode and you can only imagine this is the tip of the iceberg of what this group will be covering during this event. So again, it's pre4profits.com. And but if you guys are ready, I'm going to throw out some rapid fires and we'll answer these and and zip through the end here. Fire away. Sounds good. What lie do real estate investors tell themselves and others? That it's going to be easy money. That they can't that do one, it. Probably the the number one response is that it's going yep. to that if Tor and Christina can do it, they, I can do it. We talked about you know marketing the event with Lamborghinis and bikinis, but that got axed. That was taken away. Yeah, they didn't I like. I actually how- went to an event <laughs> once, and that was one of the videos that they started off. One of the students was doing donuts on a Lamborghini on some ice or some silly oh. thing. It was like, what the hell did I just get myself? <laughs> We just talked about SMS messaging. I mean, what kind of message is that? What kind of backwards in the screen right now, Matthew? It's backwards. So, have you started working recently? (laughs) That that's somebody obviously that's not properly trained in the art of SMS messaging. Now we all have the service. I'm getting verified right now for myself, and I'm looking at it completely different than the average person as far as the the marketing of it. I'm not going to kill people with it, but God, what was your other rapid fire question? What is a book everybody would recommend or what are you reading right now? How to win I, and influence friends. I would recommend short cell set by Matthew. I, I agree with Matt. I recommend. I also recommend essentialism. Essentialism. Okay, good. That's a, that's a new one. I haven't, I haven't had less. that one on here. Oh, wait, I it's a book all about the art of addition by sub- focusing on less priorities more thoroughly. This is actually a really great book. This book is by Dan Sadowski, and this talks about passive to prosperous for for people that really want to be financially. Dan? No. He's a good dude. Yeah. We'll have to hit him up to see if he wants to come on sometime. We'll take care of it. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? (laughs) Stay in one lane and ignore shiny objects religiously. I I would say don't listen to others. Follow your dreams and uh, keep going if you can't go anymore. And remember, it's not a no until you get a restraining order. Educate yourself, right? Educate yourself and and take action. You, the the action comes from the confidence of being educated, but but taking action. I'm old enough to know, coming out of the W two world, that if I knew in two thousand seven eight what I know now, I'd be in a much different. So, in this last question, I'm going to go around the horn. We're going to start with you, Rick. What single strategy, process, or tool have you implemented that has a direct time saving impact to business? Yeah, this this an easy one for me as as we've grown a lot over the last year and a half is is the ability to delegate to team members, right? And and I've got several VAs on my team and others locally. And when people think of team, they often think of within the LLC, but your team is really greater than that, all of the professionals that you work with. So learning how to leverage your time to focus on truly the $10,000 an hour tasks and outsource the five ten dollars an hour tasks to somebody else, that is a game changer. I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned to really save time is be realistic. You've got to set realistic expectations about what you actually want to do and what you're actually going to do. I'll give you a real quick example of that. I see people marketing to lists of 10,000 people, okay? If you got even a 3% response rate to that, do you actually even want to have all of those damn phone calls? How many of those phone calls actually fit your buy box in the first place? And how many of them are just calling to ream you out because they don't like the postcard you sent? You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I prefer personally, as I have for a very long time, I personally prefer prospecting over marketing, big time. 
because I'm choosing the exact individuals and the exact circumstances that I want to go after. So it's like, if, if I want venison, I hunt a deer. You know what I mean? Because that's specifically what I am looking for. I, I apply the same exact thing to my business. So if I've only got three or four targets for the day or three or four targets for the week, three or four different individuals that I'm targeting, it's really easy for me to not overwhelm myself and to go after them very thoroughly and very convincingly. I can do a much better job if I've got a small list of people I'm pursuing. I can pursue them much more thoroughly and have a much higher closing rate than any of my competitors can. I'm going to agree with uh, with well that. I'm, I'd like to say ditto, but I don't you really want a real answer. For me, it's not about the, the quantity. It's about the quality. It's about speaking with 15 real people that are serious over the course of a week versus getting bombarded with 50 or 60 leads coming in in a week and not being able to sift through them. I still speak with all the leads that come in myself. I don't feel comfortable handling it off because... I might see something that's completely different than to someone else of the average eye. I really look at certain things, certain details. So time blocking is important. Having good team members around you. And if you have get a, a virtual assistant, a really good virtual assistant, pay them well, give them bonuses. And in some instances for myself, I've actually had to outsource finding a virtual assistant, giving them the list of the qualifications that I need personally for myself, had no problem paying that fee because then I could take that person in and I knew past, you know, whatever tests that that specific company had given. So it's really about collaborating with other individuals, time blocking, make sure the team around you, everybody insulates everybody and works together as a team. Well, this was great, guys. Again, it is pre4profit.com. That's going to be a clickable link in the show notes. But again, really appreciate everybody's time. And I hope you'll consider coming back again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Jack. Phenomenal. Phenomenal being on here. Thank you. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.